you ever feel like you go to these, uh, we used to call Golden Corral the cattle trough. You ever, you ever go to these all-you-can-eat buffets? Any of you ever do that? I think there's a Wesley Rogers or something over here. Brother, Brother Waymeyer likes to go to Wesley Rogers. Any of you ever eat too much when you go to those? We'll have the altar call after a while. You can come. Anybody ever leave those places stuffed and you just are almost miserable because you ate too much? Aren't you glad we can't do that when it comes to God's Word? We can feast on it and feast on it and feast on it and leave with our hearts overflowing and not be miserable. I'm thankful that we can do that spiritually and not have to worry about it. So uh, anyway, First Peter chapter number 5. And uh, the first four verses, Peter is addressing elders or pastors, people in leadership position. But as we get to verse number 5, he is ending this letter to all the saints. And basically he's saying, these are some thoughts that I want to share. And, you know, when you get to the salutation of a letter, uh, you may have taken numbers of paragraphs to share an anecdote or a story or something in your life. But you get to that last paragraph and you're getting ready to, to give your salutation. You put the, the things that you want the people to remember most about your letter in that last thing. You, you leave them with the summary, the main thought of why you wrote, and you want them to keep that when they're done reading and put the envelope away. You want them to remember those things. And Peter is no different. He gets to the end of this letter, and he puts some things in the very end that he wants emphasized. He wants them to be remembered. He wants them to be um, uh, the, the last thing on people's minds when they think about reading this letter. And uh, we get to verse number 5, and uh, after he gives a challenge to the elders to feed the flock and uh, to be uh, faithful and, and not to be greedy of filthy lucre and, and uh, to do so uh, preach willingly, he says in verse number 5, "...likewise ye younger..." Now, there's some discussion over this. Peter at this point is, is an elderly man, or getting up in years. Some people say, well, that has to do with physical age. Other people I've talked to say, no, that's dealing with spiritual maturity. Can I tell you this? If we look at it both ways, it still would not hurt us to see the, the, prince, the principle and the point that's given here, whether it be by spiritual maturity or by physical age. But he says, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed, notice this, with what? Humility, For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And he's, he's telling them here, listen, you all get along with each other. You all submit yourselves to each other. Um, churches that have contention. Uh, you know the Bible says, only by pride cometh contention. Have you ever read that passage? Uh, the idea that if there's contention involved, there's pride involved. You can mark it down. Either that or the Bible's lying. But when there's contention in the church, it's because one has thought themselves higher than another. I was talking to somebody recently, a couple of folks actually, on this particular topic, that every person that uh, is a Christian is a, is a saved person, has trusted Christ as their Savior. Let me put it that way. Every person is at a different level in their spiritual growth. I'm not what I used to be uh, in my Christian life. I'm thankful for that. I'm hopeful that I'm not what I will be 
in my Christian life, if God tarries is coming a little bit longer, uh, I hope that I will continue to progress in my Christian life and grow and learn things and draw nearer to the Lord. And it's important for us to understand that every single one of us, you know, the Bible talks about, and Paul, I think it was, that wrote about a bunch of the works of the flesh, and he goes, uh, at the end of it, he says, and such were some of you. Uh, we all used to be at that point in our spiritual walk in life. And the idea that we uh, are helping one another in our walks means that we're not to be judgmental of where somebody else is at in their Christian life. Uh, now, if we see somebody sliding backwards or digressing, um, digressing and getting away from the things of the Lord, then yes, we're supposed to, as a brother or sister in Christ, come to them and help them along in those areas and, and to, to help restore them in some areas. But as long as every Christian is making progress, no matter if it's the speed we want it to be or not, we need to be patient with one another, with a spirit of humility. Um, <laughs> I was telling a fellow a while back, uh, sometimes in preaching, you preach something that you is so simple and so clear in Scripture, and you think everybody ought to get it, and they ought to get it now. <laughs> you know, and some people get it now, and some people don't get it until later. Uh, uh, I need to be careful how I, I don't want to personalize something there, but recently there's been a situation where I've uh, been talking with a fellow and working with him and trying to share the gospel with him. And he's, he's working and he's trying so hard to understand. And just recently he said, oh, I just, it just made sense. You know, just there it is. We have to understand that other Christians may be at the point of not understanding yet things that you and I may already understand. Or I may not understand something that you're already there and you have already found it in Scripture and understand it. And I think what Peter's getting at here is that we're to have a patience and be submitted one to another. We all need to understand that we used to all be there. And we've not all arrived, and so there's going to be people that are going to be ahead of us. We expect them to be patient with us. We need to be patient with those that are not where we're at spiritually. And so he speaks of this by using the term here, or the phrase, humility. To be subject one to another with a spirit of humility. Not that I've reached this plateau in my spiritual life, and boy, it would be wonderful if Brother Richard would ever catch up, you know. Or Brother Harold or Miss Penny, you know, she's way down there. So I'm just kidding. Uh, we're not to look at those things. We're supposed to look at it as a spirit of humility. If I've grown in my Christian life, or if you've grown in your Christian life, that's by the grace of God that we've done that. And we have no merit and no pride of our own to say, boy, I have attained. That's only because of God's grace we're there. And so we're to look at these things by a spirit of humility. Now, do we edify the weaker brother? Absolutely. The Bible teaches that. Are we to help them along and encourage them? Absolutely. The Bible teaches that. But never from an arrogance or a, uh, a, a snooty or looking down our nose that they are not what we are kind of attitude. It is to be with a spirit of humility. And anything less than that, Peter brings up here, brings contention among the brethren. We've got to be so careful and cautious of this. I'm not saying this or teaching on this because I think there is a problem in our church. This is a preemptive message, if I can put it that way, okay? That we don't get to these places. One of the things I've found to be a detriment, and in fact, I met with a fellow last week. He called me up, said, I'm in town. Can I meet with you? I've got some issues with the church I need to discuss. 
And uh, so I met with him. And um, there was an issue uh, at a place that he had been where there was a prideful arrogance. And I'm not saying this to be mean-spirited to a church. I won't even tell you what church it was. But there was an arrogance there that brought a, a wedge or a point of contention between the people of the church and even the pastor of that church and this particular uh, fellow. And I will say this, that it caused harm to somebody, and the people that did it didn't even realize they had caused the harm. So we've got to be so careful of this that we don't become this and not even realize it. We need to be aware of it. That we keep a spirit of humility about us. So he says this, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Now, I don't want God to resist me, and I certainly want more of His grace, don't you? I, I'm, I'm there. I want that. So there's a, a, a thing that is given here that is a blessing by practicing humility. He goes on to say in verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. So we're not to build ourselves up. Now, again, these are things that Peter is saying at the end of his letter, and he's saying these are critical. I want you to remember these. Don't quickly forget these. So he speaks of humility, the fact that there should not be contention among the brethren, that we are to submit ourselves not unto uh, uh, the opinions of man, but we're to submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God and to have a humble spirit one toward another. Now we get on to verse number uh, 7, and he kind of switches gears from humility to our anxiety or our caring, our, our concerns. In chapter, verse number 7, he says, Casting all your what? Care upon who? Him. Casting all your care upon Him. If you have a pen, you're in the habit of underlining, you ought to underline those three words. Casting, care, and Him. Uh, the idea of casting is not that I uh, lay it down and then still carry some of it. Uh, the other day we were... Um, Jonathan and I went over to Miss Joanne's house and we were loading a countertop up from her sink. And it was an L-shaped countertop. Well, you know, I'm getting to the age now where I'm working smarter and not harder. And I have a teenage 14-year-old son that has a strong back and I'm thinking, ha-ha, I'll give him the L-shaped end. I'm going to take the end where the sink is cut out and there's hardly any wood there. And I'm going to let him carry 80% of the weight and I'm going to carry 20% of the weight. And I remember as I got ready to pick it up, he's like wrestling with it and stuff. So instead of being at the very end where the weight was light, I backed up and I came about middle of uh, the uh, the countertop. And the reason I did that, and I grabbed a hold of where the, the thing was, was to help him carry the load that he was under. And I thought of that as I was preparing this afternoon's uh, message when it came to this thing of casting all of our care upon him. I was willing to let Jonathan carry the load. But in doing that, I wanted to keep a hand on it and carry some of it myself. And, oh, that's too much for him. I don't want him to be overwhelmed by it. Can I submit a thought to you regarding this verse that maybe we would not always think of? And that is this. That when we do not give God all of our care, we are 
expressing an element of our lack of faith in God to carry it. We are saying, almost like I did with Jonathan, I don't want God to have to carry that much of it. I'm not sure He can. And while we would never say those words because we know better, in practice, oftentimes, we don't give God all of our care. Because that's a big one. And in doing so, we're in essence saying, God, I don't know if you can handle this. This is almost too much. There's a reason why Peter says this. These people were living in cruel times. They were living in times of great, great persecution. They did not know what the future held. At this point, most all of the disciples had been martyred. Uh, Peter and John are some of the last few that are left. They have watched their mothers and dads, they'd watched their brothers and sisters be martyred for the cause of Christ. They certainly were tempted by Satan to be unfaithful. And Peter says, when those anxieties and those weights and those burdens, which by the way, when we look at the ones we go through, and then we look at what the early church was going through, can we even really say ours even compared to theirs? And yet Peter says, this great burden that you're under, I want you to cast it on Him. I want you to give it all to Him. Not part of it. He says, casting all your care upon Him. Why, Peter? That, that, that sounds like I'm taking advantage of God. Exactly. That's what Peter was saying. God wants you to do this. Why? Because He cares for us. He cares for us. There's been a lot of times in my life where I've gone through some things and I've tried to handle them myself. You ever been there? I can do this one. I got this one, God. I'm okay. I, I, men are worse at this than women, I think, personally. Because, guys, we don't like to fail. We just don't. A number of years ago, uh, and I'll be brief here. I, I said I was going to be brief. That means we're going to be long-winded. That, that's, that's in the Greek. When I say brief, that's in the Greek. It means long-winded. Uh, a number of years ago, my dad built a, a tree fort for my brother and sister, my, my younger brother and sister. They got spoiled rotten. My older sister and I, we got nothing. you know. But my younger brother and sister, they got everything. And so my dad built them this real nice tree house. But he wanted to, it was on Christmas, and he wanted to surprise them. So he knew it was going to take him a couple of days to build this thing, and he didn't want them to see it before it was built since he was doing it in the backyard, and they played in the backyard all the time, he decided that he was going to build this thing at the church. Then we were going to load it onto a trailer. We were going to drive it to the house on Christmas Eve. He was going to build a platform in the tree. And then he and I, I don't know how in the world he thought this, were going to take this, this tree fort and lift it up above our heads and put it on this platform. And uh, we, get, we get there that night, and it, it took five men to put it on the trailer. Now, that should have been a sign right then that there was no way he and I were going to get this up onto this platform. But we get there, and we have it on the trailer, and he had the platform about two feet above where the trailer was. We slid it, <coughs> the two of us, and uh, we took. Uh, he had nailed a two-before across that we could each grab a good handle uh, on the side of it, on one end. And we both picked up the same end of it and tried to slide it and put that edge up on the, on the platform. And we were able to do that. But knowing that that's only half of the weight of this thing, 
I'm thinking, boy, this is not a good thing because we barely had the lip of this tree fort on the, on the uh, platform there. And I thought, when we go to lift the other end of that thing, we're going to have almost all of the weight of this tree fort. And so we go back, and it was at the point where you could grab the two before and deadlift it. Some of you that do weightlifting know what I'm talking about. But to go from the deadlift to the shoulder height, you all know what I'm talking about. The body was not levered that way. Okay, So there was a bad problem there. That was getting it from here up to here. And it weighed, you know, we were extraordinary. So it was 20,000 pounds, I think, something like that. Anyway, but I never forget, we picked it up and Dad said, don't drop it, don't drop it. And so he says, okay, let's push it up. So we're pushing up and I'm like, Dad, I can't. I'm losing my grip. He said, don't drop it, son, don't drop it. I'm like, Dad, I'm losing my grip. I can't do it. He said, don't drop it, don't drop it. And about that time, I dropped. I said, I can't hold it. And I let go and I stepped back. My dad sees me let go and he doesn't step back. He steps into it. And tries to carry the whole weight, and it hurt him. It hurt him pretty bad. It fell down on top of him. I say men are, are worse at this than others because we don't like to think we need help. We think we can do it. We have that mindset. And by the way, I think God designed men to be that way. But let me say this when it comes to casting our care upon the Lord, there are times we need to give it to Him and say, Lord, I can't, but you can. There are times that the care and the worry and the anxiety of that particular burden, God knows it will debilitate us from doing His work and cause us to slow down and maybe even stop from doing His work because the burden is so great. These people were going through an unusual time of persecution. They had watched their, their family members, they would watched people be killed for the sake of Christ, and this, the temptation, the pressure to recant... To, to deny their faith was great. And Peter says, I want you to cast all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Can I tell you this? There's not a care that you and I have that is any greater than these people had. And if God wants us, wanted them to cast their care upon Him, don't you think far greater He wants us to cast our care upon Him? To give Him all of the anxiety, all of the concern? I'm not saying that it would not affect us in some ways. What I'm getting at is this, how much we worry and stress over things that really we need to say, Lord, I'm going to give this to You. I need You to take care of it. And then don't try to, don't try to keep part of the weight. Just give it to Him. So we find the, the idea of humility and no contention. We find the idea of casting all of our care upon Him. And then he says in verse number 8, Be sober... Be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walking to and fro, seeking whom he may what? Devour. He is not out to hurt us. He is out to devour us. He was not out to destroy the early church and the early Christians. He was, out, he was not out to hurt the early church and the early Christians. He was out to destroy them. He was doing everything he could, and he brought persecution into the church for no other reason than to try to stamp out Christianity. To try to get people to look at the, the horrendousness and the atrocities of martyrdom and say, uh, we're not going to have any part of that. We're going to deny Christ and we're going to go back to our old way of life. 
And, and the Bible, it was, Peter was warning them. He says, listen, because we know this, I want you to be sober and be vigilant, be aware of this, that Satan is going to do everything he can to cause you to depart from the Christian life, to cause you to stop, to cause you to throw your hands up and quit. Once again, I'll make this point and then we'll move on. These people had far greater burdens and problems and, and circumstances of life causing them to consider departing from the faith than you and I ever have. When I come across somebody who says, well, I used to go to church, or I used to believe in God, and then they tell me the circumstances, why they don't, I think, what a silly circumstance in comparison to what these people in the early church went through. And yet Peter was saying, be sober, be vigilant, be watchful. Understand, Satan is going to come. And when you see these things come, he goes on to say in verse number 9, whom resist, notice this, what's the next word? Steadfast. <laughs> whom resist, steadfast. You ever, you ever seen people that, that just, they, they, they give it the old college try, you know what I'm talking about, and then they quit. Well, I tried. <laughs> I remember. I remember when I was when I was younger. If there was there was something hot and sweaty, and I, and I hated snakes. I hated snakes so bad. If my dad took me down to the church when I was a kid and had me clean up trash, which he often did, I almost invariably saw two or three snakes every summer underneath that trash, and and I it scared me half out of my wits and everything. And so there were times. There were times that my dad would say, Greg, I want you to go over there and pick up all that wood. And I'd be like, okay, and I'd get, he'd, he'd make me do it. And uh, I, would, I would piddle at it. You know, he'd go on and do something else expecting me to get done. I'd piddle at it. And I'd look at that board, and I'd think, there's a snake under there. And I'd reach over, and I'd go, oh, oh I can't pick it up. <laughs> and the thing is, I hadn't even hardly pulled on it, but I wasn't about to lift it up. And I, I just kind of piddled at it, didn't really try. But if my dad came, I could honestly say, Dad, I tried to pick it up. And I couldn't. And then he'd reach down and like with one hand or one finger, he'd pick that board up. And I'd be like embarrassed in front of him. <clears throat> when Peter's writing this, he says, I don't want you just to resist. So I want you to resist steadfast. I, I want to make sure that when it comes to these things that Satan's trying to do to get you to quit, don't say I gave it the old college try and he won the battle. Resist steadfast. Put some urgency into it. Put some strength. Put some might into it. Put some endurance into it. Well, you know, the uh, devil made me do it. You ever heard anybody say that? The devil made me do it. I, I know I'm supposed to be this way, but... And then we go on to justify why we did it anyway. That's somebody who resists but didn't resist steadfast. Peter says, listen, there needs to be some humility about us. Understand, we're all different levels Christian. Christian life. Don't let there be contentions in the church over this. It'll drive a wedge between you. Have some humility. He tells us we need to cast all of our care upon the Lord. Don't let, don't let the anxiety and the burdens of life cause us to throw our hands up and quit. And then he said this, when it came to resisting the devil, he says, I want you to resist steadfast. Steadfast. Steadfast what? In the faith. This is what's going to cause us to be able to resist the devil. Not just the first time he tries, not just the second time he tries, but over and over and over and over again. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, 
knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Can I tell you this? There's not a person living today that has had to go through the same burdens, the same circumstances, or even things close to, in many cases, what this early church did in the United States of America. There are a few countries out there. I have a good friend of mine. His name is Raji. I'm not supposed to use his last name publicly because he's in Syria. He's a national. Raji's been arrested and beaten many times for preaching the gospel. This morning, when they went to church, Raji got a phone call telling him where to go. He does not know from Sunday to Sunday where they're going to have church. They don't tell him until the last minute because they don't want him to be beaten and tortured into telling where the church is meeting so other people can be arrested. Raji's been in our church down in Florida. I've seen the marks on his body where he's been beaten. He went back to Syria to preach the gospel. He went to wherever it was this morning that they told him to go to, and there was another message waiting for him. They told him to go to another place, and then another, and then another. And sometimes there will be seven or eight different places he'll have to go to, and there are people watching to see if he's being followed. This is what they have to go through. And then we look at what we quit on God over in our life. I was talking to several people recently, last day or two. I'm not trying to build up a person. But I look at Miss June. She doesn't quit. She had surgery on her hand, couldn't even use her left hand. Next week she's sitting here at the organ playing with one hand and a foot. And then we look at what what keeps us away from doing what God wants. What causes us to quit? What causes us to succumb to that temptation? Well, Pastor, I resisted. Kind of like I did with that board I was picking up. We could say we resisted, but God knows. Did we resist steadfast in the faith? Did we bear down? Did we say, I will not be moved, I will be continuously faithful to God? Peter gets to the end of all these, these things that he wrote. He says, there's some things I want you to remember. He says, I want you to make sure that you submit yourselves one to another in the spirit of humility. He says, I want you to take all of your care. I want you to cast it on Him. When you think you're ready to give up and quit, give it to God. Let Him take care of it. And he said, resist the devil steadfast in our faith. We're to resist him steadfast in our faith. Folks, I don't know about you, but these are three things that every single one of us, I think, can use in our lives. And I think we can use them on a regular basis. We need to be so careful to look out for the things that Satan will bring in to our lives to cause us to be distracted and to quit and in some cases even be destroyed. And I think it does us well to look at these things that Peter said are very, very important. The last thing he wrote, 
He said, these are the things I want you to remember. Be careful of them. Be watchful of them. And so I hope that will help us and encourage us. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. May we learn from it. May there be some things that we guard against. May there be some purposing and determining in our hearts ahead of time that we will be steadfast in our faith. And Lord, may there be a sense of humility, a spirit of graciousness one toward another. Father, may we be watchful of these things that Satan will try to do to destroy our lives, to weaken us as Christians, to cause us to quit, to cause us to quit growing. And may we grow and thrive each and every day, drawing closer to You, following more of what Your Word teaches us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.